0: Hey, we're gonna get right into your episode of Space Cats Peace Turtles, but before we do, I my name's Hunter, and I gotta tell you, we're doing a show <laughs> this year at uh, Gen Con on Thursday at three p.m. Come see it. All right, now enjoy the episode. This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium, episode eighty-six. Dane Beltrami Interview 1.2. Music by Ben Prunty. Featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Alright, well this is a this is a little bit of a late episode this week, but I, I told you we had a good reason for having a late episode this week, and it's because we are joined on the show today by the man himself, Dane Beltrami, the designer. Of Twilight Imperium fourth edition, and Dane, you said you brought something really special. you had a huge announcement for us uh a- absolutely so I'm just, huge I, announcement yeah i want i wanna i i'm I've been shivering all day because you said of how big this announcement is, and I just can't wait for people to see so go ahead dane what's what's this groundbreaking huge huge deal you've got
1: oh at long last I'd like to announce the upcoming. Twilight Imperium rules reference
0: 1.2. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, we've been asking for it forever. It's the, it's the first Twilight Imperium fourth edition living rules reference expansion. We're finally here folks. The day you've been dreaming for, for, you know, eons. Uh, with huge additions like, if an ability uses the word then, a player must resolve the effect that occurs before the word then, or he cannot resolve the effect that occurs after the word then. And exciting new abilities like an ability with a specified duration that is successfully resolved remains in effect during that duration, even if a component that has caused the ability is removed from play. This is huge. I'm freaking out. We're sitting here in front of it. Uh, all right, I'm going to stop being weird now. We're t- Today's episode's about the Living Rules reference, because it is a big deal, and everyone needs to leave us alone about asking Dane about expansions, and everyone needs to leave Dane alone, because that's not what we're talking about. He's not allowed to. If, if I ask him about it, he will cancel the show, and he will take us off the air. So instead, we're doing what is the good thing, which is there's a whole bunch of new stuff out in this new Living Rules reference, which you can get on the Fantasy Flight website if you like search through and find twilight imperium it's like available there right Dane, it's always you just pop in and go through the the documents list or whatever it sure is uh, under twilight imperium so you should get it and you should follow along with us because what we're going to do today is more or less a a psa of covering a bunch of the stuff but we're gonna we're gonna have dane walk us through some of the changes and some of the thoughts of why these things changed here and there and and yeah we just got we got a lot to cover of how some rules have changed in the universe of Twilight Imperium. So, Dane, thanks for coming on the
1: show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: I think we dive right in, because there's actually quite a lot to, uh, to Let's cover. Let's do it. Uh, this is, even Hunter's not here today uh, for this one, uh, but... We went over it beforehand, and he, he even himself noted how much of a bigger deal this is than the first Living Rules reference. The first Living Rules reference had some, some changes, some tweaks, but this one just feels like there's some kind of like big deal things. And maybe that's just because we understand the game on a more technical level now, but I do feel like there's quite a lot that has, uh, has shifted gears here. Um, so m- more than anything, I'm curious, Dane, how has that process felt for you it's been it's been over a year since the last little
1: it's been a a while uh it has been it's been fun (laughs) what (laughs) it's been fun uh and (laughs) and uh stressful uh yeah interesting uh you know the the longer the longer things go since the release of the game the more the more uh The more things people find, the more ability interactions, the more, um, ways the community finds to break the necrovirus.
0: (laughs) You had a tweet not that long ago, didn't you? That you were just like, I wish I could remove the necrovirus from the game. I, I, not,
1: Um. not in, not in those words, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I I may have tweeted something like that. (laughs) It was a, it was a low, low point. It was a. It was, a dark, it was a dark time. <laughs> a
0: dark corner of of developing a new Living Rules uh, reference. Well, let's let's dive in. Uh, the The first thing up is kind of a really weird one. So if people are like ready to to chew into this Living Rules reference, the first red text that they're faced with is one that may be like not exactly clear what we're even talking about here, and I feel like that is actually going to be kind of standard with a lot of these. So when you're looking through this, first thing to note is all the green text stuff is things that are the same from the previous Living Rules reference. They're changes that happen from the rule book, but they are in the previous Living Rules reference. Yep. Um But red text is our new stuff, and some of the red text is, like you were just kind of saying, they're referring to things that are so incredibly specific and like only occur every once in a while, but needed some sort of clarification. Um, so this first one, an ability with a specified duration that is successfully resolved, remains in effect through that duration even if the component that caused the ability is removed from play. What are we talking about?
1: <laughs> yep. Alright, so um, that uh, that rule, actually, the creation of that rule caused a reversal of a ruling, which was if the Elastor is destroyed during combat, do the ground mm-hmm. forces that it caused to participate in that combat stop fighting? And initially the answer was yes. Uh, the answer, because of this rule, is no. Um, the Elastor has resolved that effect. The ground forces will stay in combat through the duration of that combat, even if the Elastor is destroyed. Um, right. It, and the the other place that this can pop up um, is if the, also with the Necrovirus, say the Necrovirus have used the Valifartec to copy the uh, spatial conduit cylinder of the Jolnar, um, thus making some systems adjacent, but then end up... Uh,
0: Losing that tech, like, switching out that tech for a new one or whatever. Switching out the tech. Yeah. um,
1: Yep. It would still last through the duration of the effect. It would not immediately end.
0: Right. So, incredibly niche, but also just important in terms of, like, I I think what it does is it sets a a precedent for, like, how people need to reroute their brains for when they think about abilities, which is, like, the moment you've triggered an ability that that's it the ability will will carry through no matter what i almost think that this is a really easy way to think about action cards i remember there being lots of debates about like how do action cards work at what point is an action card actually discarded and how does that affect the ability or whatever and what this rule kind of allows you to do is think about it of like you play the action card and then it just kind of almost doesn't matter what happens with the action card because the ability exists one way or the other yep uh so I think having that frame of reference is a, is a lot more useful for people to have going forward with with any and all abilities. Um, I, I hope so. so,
1: and and I hope that people find it the intuitive way to do it. Just and you know maybe that's magic brain speaking, but magic <laughs> magic did, does kind of set the standard for the way right. abilities are ruled in games, in my opinion. So you know. Why why deviate greatly from right. it without, like, a big reason?
0: Yeah. Um, well, so to skip ahead, and we're not going to go through, like, every single piece of red text because that would be a little bit much. And, and a lot of them, too, are things that don't, they refer to something so specific that it's, like, it's not even going to come up until it comes up. Uh, so we're skipping over some stuff, like, in terms of, there was some additions, uh, some changes in the wording in anti-fighter brush that I honestly don't even know. I don't remember what that's even about or why uh, it was changed. But it's it's one of those things where you kind of look at it and you go. I trust that that's for a good reason that I will discover someday. Well, if you uh, figure
1: out what it is, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: But the next the next big thing uh for me to note is this this is something that people have known but it's nice for some players to have clarified which is just the idea that you can never ever put two of the same uh control token or i mean you know command token uh into a system um the the main thing being like when you do the secondary of construction and you're supposed to put a command token in a system if there's already a command token there you don't need to put it there but that was kind of muddy before and now there's just a a hard and fast ruling of like if there's already a token there don't worry about it
1: yep i just wanted to clean up clean up the, the corners on that case
0: now is there still any funny business and i'm asking just so that i can feed the trolls a little bit is there any funny business in how that interacts with things like foresight or skilled retreat where you're supposed to move into systems and then add a command token or is that is the intent that all those things are smooth and you can still do a skilled retreat into a system that's been activated and you don't need to activate that either. Just the, it's an overall blanket rule of don't put a token where you've already got a token.
1: Overall blanket rule, no funny business.
0: (laughs) Um, so the biggest thing I'm almost like hesitant to talk about this right out the gate because it's, it's to me, it feels like it could be half the episode is talking about, uh, Boy, did you go crazy on Elimination, huh? Uh, yep, there, are, was there are six page. new bullet points <laughs> to, to Elimination. Um, so there's kind of a lot to go over, but honestly, most of it is pretty simple. But I think what what happened was maybe just that there wasn't enough there originally. Um, so I don't know what, were you just, when you first made this game, were you just convinced that people weren't going to eliminate each other very often or, or, you know, were you optimistic or was it just, (laughs) just kind of an idea of like, I don't need to worry about all those things. They'll figure it out.
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't have a good answer for that. Uh, certainly wasn't optimistic that people wouldn't eliminate each other. (laughs) I've been eliminated in several games during testing. Um, but. Yep. Just some some things kinda kinda fell by the, the wayside and yeah. wanted to make sure that there was like official ruling on right. how to do Well deal and that's with what's those. funny
0: about some of these things is is again <clears throat> coming down to this stuff where it's like a lot of this stuff a player could could take as common sense but there's just certain areas where it's like i just didn't even think i had to write that i didn't i didn't you don't realize it's like a necessary sentence that needs to exist in a rule book until it happens and it only happens one out of a you know a million times or whatever yeah but let's let's go over all those new things that happen when a player is eliminated let's do it uh so first up Easy stuff, like, yeah, you need to get rid of all their action cards. Just go ahead and discard them. Uh, strategy cards get returned. No big deal there. This is a weird one, though. Um, describe to me what is supposed to happen with secret objectives, whether they're in your hand or not.
1: Whether they're in your hand or they are scored, they are shuffled back into the deck.
0: Which is just, like, the coolest decision you could have made. I love the idea. That I could have scored, turn their fleets to dust, and then have, get though, myself really? eliminated, and then get it shuffled back in, and then somebody else still draw it.
1: Can anyone really score, turn their fleets to dust?
0: No, especially not now. We'll get to that. I've, but. I've never seen it happen. Certainly, <laughs> you've done it. You've done it so dirty. Uh, uh, things like speaker token obviously passes to the left. Um, also, this was a fun one. If players were in a 5 player game and had a player eliminated, I saw this asked many many times. Uh does it do we do we go down to choosing two strategy cards or do we just continue to pick one?
1: Continue to pick one. Original I parameters that. of the um, game.
0: Especially because I already love that 5 player games feel like you're on thin ice. Nobody's getting enough of anything. And the idea... We had this happen. Uh, I don't even remember how long ago it was, but it was a five-player game, and it went down to four players. And we played it this way, but it was before there was even a ruling for it. We just we just went with it. But man, only having four strategy cards uh, per round is... That is a doozy. Yes, it um, is. Uh, but so then the, the last thing here in the elimination section is a bunch of weird considerations. And I think it's important to kind of walk through each of these because at one point you were trying to do like a blanket rule for all faction components. And it, it seems like that didn't get to work the way maybe you, you wanted. So this more complicated approach had to, had to go. Can you walk me through kind of yeah, what happened? To yeah, unfortun- unfortunately, the
1: the blanket rule just didn't feel completely satisfactory for, for anybody. Um, and so I, I wanted the, the, faction token related elimination just to be as fair as possible. And I mean, as intuitive as possible. Yeah. Um, so for the, for the Necro virus, if the Necro has a tech copied from somebody that gets eliminated, obviously that tech doesn't just disappear,
0: disappear right. as, as
1: that r- r- faction is eradicated. Um, so the end result is, if your assimilator token is on a faction tech uh, and that goes away, you're good. You keep you keep the tech. That tech stays in play. You can just pull it into your play area. Um, next up would be the creus wormholes. Um, being is that the creus can place them, they're a permanent fixture, you know, if they're even if even if the wormhole generator is never touched after they're placed um you know they they stay there uh the other players could end up moving them around with the krius iff um it just felt right that if the krius are eliminated those wormholes stay in play
0: yeah Yeah, it's a wormhole generator, not a wormhole, like, recycler or something, you know. I I think this one thematically makes the most sense, even if it is, like, tricky. And it also, because it had weird, I remember there being a point where it was like, well, what if Necro copies wormhole generator? Then, at, at one point you were trying to make a reason for the wormholes to go away. Yep unless Necro had it, and then that just felt like a really weird caveat to be making. So I think this just is cleaner of like, nope, just leave the wormhole tokens on the board. Yeah, and
1: ultimately, I mean, just what that shows me is that the Necro virus ruins everything.
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, And the last one has to do with the Nalu player, which there's kind of already some... We'll have to go over the Nalu. Maybe this is as good a time as any, but the, the Nalu in general have had a bit of a re-clarification on what exactly is going on with their uh, zero token and and just how that ability works. Can you kind of, in relation to this, but in in addition, maybe this is a good time to then also segue into, like, what is going on with the knowledge?
1: Sure. Um, So uh, the question was essentially that was about the zero token, and it was, um, does the zero token attached to a strategy card or is it associated with a player? Um, and, right. and there was, there was further question like it, does the token have an effect in and of itself? Is it just a reminder? Um, <clears throat> and what it comes down to is that the way that I'd like it to be handled is that the zero token is associated with the player that receives it. If the player gets, uh, you know, a, a strategy card, Forced on him, or like uh, you know, a a forced exchange, or um, you know, whatever happens, that you know, they keep the zero token regardless of what what uh, goes on with that card. Um, And if the Nalu are eliminated from the game for whatever reason, that zero token is also going to stay in play. You know, through the through the current round. it's not going to just up and disappear and change an initiative order in the middle of a round. Right. That, that, that yeah. was another reason that the blanket rule of just axe all Let the tokens um, wasn't going to work.
0: Right. Um, yeah, this one's interesting because it's kind of a culmination of like all of the hardest rulings all coming to a head, which is like, first off, what do you do with faction tokens when someone's eliminated? Second, what happens when an ability. A component goes away right if the zero token did go away would the person be keeping their initiative order how do we fix that problem uh and so for this one it's like keep it through the ability was activated you keep it through the status phase you should keep the token yada 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 but like all those things all piled together on this one like gift of the prescience nalu issue uh so it's it's great to have it clarified, even though it has probably never, ever happened and never will.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure it's somebody could theoretically eliminate the Nalu. I don't know.
0: Not with all those gummed up works they can't. It's just uh, too much. Yeah, uh, so, got So
1: foresight to avoid that.
0: <laughs> uh, next up is one that... Uh, I I myself always get wrong, and it's kind of it's because it's been a little bit back and forth, but even more so, it's just something that my brain has a hard time processing. So because the the text can only go so far in just like trying to concisely uh, wrap things up, can you explain? fleet supply to me and how it interacts with like movement and the main thing being we're, we're going to talk about gravity rifts here and gravity rifts are probably second in line to necrovirus in terms of things that just like try to break <laughs> this board game that we love
1: yep uh, so how fleet supply works is you have you know a number of tokens in your fleet pool and uh, that is a number of capital ships that you can have in your system that's you know the 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 basic rules of fleet supply that everybody knows mm-hmm. and you know while you are your ships are in the process of moving you know sh- that fleet supply is not counted you know as you're as you're as you're going through
0: each individual each individual system. system right
1: um that's that's not I have had that question asked to me before, but that, that's not that's not a common question I think that people right. people generally um, understand that. Um, and And so most of the questions about fleet supply are you know about the timing of when it is checked. Um, right. and, and like you said, most recently, uh, that has come up most often with the gravity rift because the question is you send a bunch of ships through the gravity rift and are ships destroyed before by the gravity rift before you then check for 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 the whether or not for your fleet ships fly
0: yeah yeah the, basically the big question being can i have a fleet supply of 3 send 6 ships through the gravity rift and roll before i go down to three and maybe three only three survive anyways or do i have to decide that i kill three ships then roll for the remaining three and then maybe only end up with one ship Mm -hmm. so what is the definitive answer to that question
1: well i can tell you first definitively what is not the answer which is the answer (laughs) i gave originally um, (laughs) about this uh and so so people may remember. I more or less arbitrarily chose one way to do it, and the way that I chose was that when you destroy a ship that is destroyed from a gravity rift, you do so in the uh, active system. Um, right. So the ships are in the active system, which means fleet right. supply is checked, and then they're making these rolls, and so fleet supply is checked, and then the gravity rift happens. This also turned you know, the, the Van Hagen into the, the slingshot bomb... You know, Regardless right. of whether it passed the Gravity Rift or not, I suppose it's still the Slingshot Bomb. Um, and now that is no longer the case. So yeah. Gravity Rift, you roll, and the units are removed when you are exiting the Gravity Rift tile. So those ships do not make it to the active system. They do not count against... Your fleet pool in that system, right you could send six through, have four of them make it and have a fleet pool of three, and have to choose one to uh, right. just uh, remove. and that right uh, that I think, was actually generally the more intuitively understood way that things should work, uh, yeah, which is not how I ruled it originally.
0: Yeah, well, and because before what ended up happening was this weird understanding of, like, it, I remember there was a bunch of discussions of, like, what is the exact timing of everything? Do we need to count a timing window for, like, every ship going through each individual system on its way to the active system? It just got really confusing. But clarifying it this way kind of just removes that being an issue,
1: basically. Yeah, there, um, there were issues with... Uh, things that made it through the gravity rift, but were going to be destroyed, picking up and yes. transporting units, blockading SARS space docks, um, just all kinds of strange things that yeah. just quite honestly shouldn't happen. And now yeah. they don't.
0: And the other, the other big mess that you cleaned up is, as you said, they are removed, whereas before they were destroyed. This is a huge thematic, uh, decision I'm very glad you made even though we all love the the huge van slingshot bomb that's the yin flagship just like blowing up a random system but it also never really made sense in the in the fiction um, and honestly removing it from the board makes way more sense because what are we what are we envisioning here it's a gravity rift something is getting sucked into a black hole yep. that means a bomb blowing off would do nothing because that bomb is blowing up in the center of a black hole so uh super in favor of of the remove rule being the one that was chosen rather than that even though it was it was pretty cool before i think it was a little bit too wackadoodle for (laughs) for everybody's (laughs) uh, brains
1: also worth noting that as a side effect this does change how gravity risks interact with um the infantry to upgrade
0: Oh yeah, interesting. I did not think of that. But you don't get to re roll those infantry. They were they, they do not get to be uh gen synthesized.
1: They, they, they do just, not. they they're they
0: cease to exist.
1: Yep. Um
0: I mean. so next one is kind of a an interesting one because this is just a a reversal of not a ruling, but a straight up rule that used to exist, which is has to do with retreating. It uh, does. And and, and how um, basically how transporting works during retreats. Do you want to kind of go over this this uh, pretty big change, honestly, uh, that, that I think people are going to find maybe not shocking, but uh, it, it's definitely different than how we've all been playing for quite a while?
1: Yeah. So the rule as it existed in the uh, original rule book and in the living rules reference 1.1 was that when you announce a retreat, you have to uh at that moment pull up any ground forces on a on a planet in that system that you may wish to retreat with
0: which made sense a little bit like in terms of a gameplay thing maybe maybe not even thematically making sense, but just like from a gameplay standpoint like if you're gonna retreat you gotta you gotta commit to it and maybe that stuff's gonna die and that's a risk you have to take and and I think that's why everybody kind of like Agreed with it, but it has since caused many strange interactions. There,
1: there were all kinds of weird things that popped up. The you know the first thing, of course, that popped up was that there was nothing really in the original book saying that, regardless of whether you move these ships up or these uh these units off the planet, that you couldn't still just grab more when you left because that was the blanket rule for any time you move a ship. Uh, with capacities that you can transport units in the system that are on planets. so that that involves some like you know uh, blacklisting certain timing windows when you could do this um, and then there started being um, strange things you could do when you announcing retreats uh, could you announce a retreat and just pull units up um, and, and ultimately I don't think that the rule, As it stood, really offered that much to gameplay. I like how it it worked thematically, but um, honestly, it caused you know in in games where it was relevant, it was often for like something that people forgot to do when they're you know in the middle of their their combat, and 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 honestly, it just. you know the these exception style rules are something that I wanted to eliminate yeah and and yeah. and it didn't always happen um you know during development and in this case, it's something that I just think is better off gone um so yeah. so so now um as with uh, as of the one point two update, just transporting uh, units during a treat is handled like transporting units any other time. Um and another you know beneficial side effect of this is that this brings um skilled retreat, which is a question people constantly um have a, and in a normal retreat more more in line with one another yeah um they're you know they're not exactly the saying they still occur during different timing windows um skilled retreat still grabs all ships and uh, moves them regardless of capacity uh right but um they they are more more alike and and that's just one one other thing that you know hopefully won't come up and and I just think, yeah. I just think it's cleaner and it and it really it is we, we it's don't a lot cleaner much for it
0: i i i think you had at one point we talked about um like the idea that you guys didn't want ongoing effects that you would have to like remember. Like, there's always a component that reminds you of things. And this feels like the sort of inverse of that, of, like, I need to get ahead of a thing that I haven't even done yet. And that's why it was always so often forgotten by people, because it's like, well, I'm not even retreating yet. Why do I have to remember to pull the ground forces up? It just always felt like this thing that wasn't in line with itself. It, 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 it Again, it kind of made sense from a gamey sort of way, but it didn't feel natural to do for sure. from a from a from a player perspective um within retreats too there's a there's a fun little ghost thing that had to get kind of clarified um this one is so weird and i feel like it's just super apt that like you 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 complain about necro and you you have a a, a well known affinity for the ghost sacreus but ghost sacreus cause uh, plenty of problems on their own. Um, so what is the <laughs> retreat scenario? This one's a rule that it only exists because the thing that can happen is so funny that it is worth ruling on, yep. is the way I look at this. Yes,
1: <laughs> it can It can happen that it, you can announce a retreat. Um, and a, a couple little things have been clarified in the retreat section to, to handle... A couple corner cases. One of them, you have to have a, a an eligible system to retreat to uh, when you announce it. The second is that you still have to have an eligible system uh, to retreat to to execute it. And right. the reason that comes up is because the Ghost of Creus, if it is part of the fleet that is retreating, uh, the Ghost of Creus flagship that is um, the Hill Kalish, uh, you could, it, it, if the circumstances are. Correct. Retreat to, through the, through its own delta wormhole uh, into the Creus home system. But if if the Creus flagship is destroyed during the combat round before the retreat occurs, then it is possible that there could be no eligible system for the retreat, and thus what happens? Right. And that's insane. The answer is just that it doesn't happen. Um, it's, right. It's, it's Which pra- is it's, something it's, that I think most simple.
0: players. I think most people would just do that. Like, oh, I didn't get to retreat. All right, we have to fight again. But then, of course, we have, like, our weird, like, hyper intense communities that are, like, ready for tournament play at all times that that needed this kind of clarification. And more power to them. I get that they need it. But this is one of those things that's very funny to me to think that, like, most casual groups would have played this correct in every situation without needing a ruling but it's the people that are the diehard fans are the ones that are like oh, I need to I need it written I need Dane to call me personally to tell me whether or not I get to keep fighting this fight with my hellkalish or not.
1: And I'm always happy to do that.
0: <laughs> and he's always happy, uh, but I am not. So you know, decide decide which of us you want to message.
1: Don't be um, something.
0: Next man. up, <laughs> it's all that I have. Um, the the next one is um, kind of a, a a clarification that uh, is another one of those things that's just sort of, like, was just not included originally, uh, despite, like, I won't say it's obvious. It's one of those things that's not obvious until it happens, and then it's like, oh, wow, we don't have a sentence that covers that. There's nothing there that, like, covers what happens to a tied victory when there aren't strategy cards. Because with the base rulebook, the only rule we had is ties are determined by initiative order. But obviously... Uh, you can have agenda phase ties pretty easily, actually, and they're they're <laughs> more common than you'd think. Uh, Shard of the throne coming up when two people are on nine, and they're the two that are going to get you know the point or whatever. Or not, that that's the bad example, but uh mutiny or something like that. You know, if mutiny comes up and three people all gain one point and they were all at nine, what mm-hmm. happens? Yep. Uh, so, so, what and, does happen?
1: And I I had I had uh, attempted to rule that in the one point one, and I believe this is the infamous one where I put the wrong phase in the oh, answer. Oh, yeah. And right. caused, you said something about
0: status phase, uh, I
1: think. Caused way more confusion than was necessary. <laughs> um, ended up just, you know, rewording this. If you don't have uh, strategy cards when victory would be achieved, then it's just, uh, you know, speaker clockwise.
0: Right. Speaker clockwise. So if you are the speaker and you're in the tie... You win if you're not, if the speaker's not a part of the tie, the closest to speaker uh, wins the board game. That's correct. Um, so now we're actually getting into like the proper errata and FAQ section. Everything else has been like part of previous bullet points and everything like that. For sure. Um, but digging into the actual errata, these, these are where like some real changes have happened. Um, and the first one that I want to point out is the hegemonic trade policy change Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this one is just because uh, Milti is such a crazy person. He was trying to make hegemonic trade policy do like the craziest things I've ever heard of, and we had to stop him. He had to be stopped by the collective universe. Uh, so what is going on with hegemonic? This is the Winu uh, faction tech.
1: Well, I don't know if it's as dramatic as you're describing it, but essentially, no, <laughs> uh, unintentionally, hegemonic trade policy could theoretically um, last you know, through 90 minutes of gameplay, maybe, you know, through multiple turns and agenda phase, just based on strange things that could happen. And, you know, ultimately the intent of it was only that it would last through uh, a use of production. Of course, then that can be triggered by uh, other things, uh, not on your turn. And um, so this, this, this errata is to bring it in line with the intent and also with the, you know, m- my de- design philosophies on abilities in the game, which is that there shouldn't be anything that you have to just remember is active right. for a huge window of time. Um, yeah. You know, a- you know, everything where where reasonable should be visibly tracked um, and, and, and not have to be something that you've right. committed to memory.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a couple I didn't even actually write down in my uh, uh, show notes, but I do want to go over them real quick. The a big one being direct hit uh, now applies to abilities as well as just hits produced by your units. Yep. Um, so in in theory, this applies to things like uh, dimensional splicer, ghosts, faction tech, or uh, technically Yin uh, Yin's ability to blow things up, since that's that those hits are really coming from the ability, not from the destroyer that they destroyed in theory
1: right and so and so as far as um my answers on this subject that this has always been the case, but now yeah. the the errata is official um, right the intent is always that it would it would work um, right but the wording of the card, so
0: less a ch- less a change and more a now well, the card just needs to go ahead and properly reflect that. That's uh, the other one, and this is one that when I read through it, I literally could not remember why this was brought up. Can you explain to me the change of Harrow and why it exists?
1: Uh the change of Harrow is just a um, it was a conflict between multiple things that happen i believe when you win a A combat combat um gotcha that caused things to happen in a very strange order um and so just ultimately what it comes down to is that in order for things to operate how they should this is the timing window that harrow should have been um gotcha
0: At the end of each round.
1: 99.999% of the time, (laughs) uh, this conflict isn't going to occur. But if it does, you should be able to pop back here and see, aha, the actual timing window for Harrow is this, and the timing conundrum will be solved. For
0: other things, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So another one is, uh, this was... A uh, kind of a weird one, but but I, my note here just says skilled retreat and foresight can transport units, uh, and this is another one that's kind of a, a clarification of rulings you had uh, already made. Yep. But but in essence, that was sort of a uh, commonly misunderstood or or just like people always had doubts about what was going on with skilled retreat and foresight.
1: Yep. And and just. Yeah, there was a question of whether effects that moved your ships outside of, you know, the, the move step of, of a tactical right. action could transport units, and the answer is yes, of course it can.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, it's movement, and yep. move it follows the rules of movement, and that's what you should be referring to in the rulebook when you are, if it says you move a thing, check the rules of movement, basically. Not tactical action movement, but just, like, basic move stuff. Yep. Um. So the next one, the, this next one's really important to me, Dane, and I just really want to thank you uh, for, for allowing your heart to go to this place. Um, I'm just going to read it all because I really need to savor the moment here. Um, the question is, can you intentionally reveal hidden information to another player, such as an action card from your hand or your secret objective? Answer, yes. This information is kept hidden by default, but it is permissible to reveal it to another player or players as a strategic option. Uh, just, I'm in tears um, at the gift you've given me. Um, and the the that I no longer have to have these arguments with people on Reddit. Um, what was going on with the hidden information rule that that caused such a uh, a stir.
1: Uh I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I just don't know.
0: Uh, uh well, I'll give you my guess. Uh well, I, the argument I've seen posed is what the rules say in regards to these components is they remain hidden. And I think people just chose to define remaining hidden differently uh depending on how they felt about it. Uh despite the idea of the term hidden i guess just not being something that was clearly defined in the rule book
1: yeah um, and and you know when i realized that was happening um, my original response was just kind of like well you know people are people are both handling this in different fashions, but also like handling it in different fashions. Right. And and, yes. and and that was totally fine with me and still is totally fine with me. And I think right. that if, you know, your your group wants to play full hidden, like there is no showing, that is absolutely yeah. fine. Um, but it, sure. it came to the point where this just kept coming up, coming up. What is the intent? And the intent is, is it it's your information to do with what you want. Right. You know, feel free to show you know people your plans that is giving them power over you in some way but if you have a reason to do it then do it you are right. not you're not breaking a rule by by doing that
0: yeah the sharp comparison for this would be in Twilight Imperium 3rd edition there was a, an explicit punishment in showing your secret objective to another player you could say whatever you want but if you showed the card to another player the game dictated that you have it taken away from you yep. which was never present in this that and and that's just kind of an interesting thing with um, sort of the layout of because Twilight Imperium is such a dense game uh, that th- you know there were a lot of um, uh, there was a lot of work that you all put into this uh, new version in like having m- more clear definitions of things but I think what has been revealed over the course of a year and a half of people playing it is. There is no amount of defining vocabulary that is enough. There are always more and more things that require some sort of clarification or definition. I mean, the extent you went through to even define the word then in, like, its usage within abilities is pretty insane, and the idea that, like, a glossary in the back of the book would need to have a clear-cut definition of the word then in addition to all the other thousands of words that come up is uh is extreme i mean it's a lot there's just too much in this game to to go that route
1: absolutely and especially with words like then they're easy to use on accident right um and you know the when something like that becomes defined you start entering a place where things get a little scary
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. You you could have worded one little thing weird, and it throws the whole system yep. out of whack for sure. Um, so next up, this one's been um something you ruled on a long time ago in terms of just like you know the 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 Dane emails that people talk so often about. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and a lot of this book is just getting everybody else caught up to the Dane emails that plenty of people have have been aware of, but I think there was a lot of good cause for certain groups and especially tournament groups to say, listen, we can't follow Dane emails because there's just too many and we can't even trust where they're coming from. So a lot of the stuff is catching people up to speed, but, but this one of promissory notes, uh, getting to be played in the timing window that they are received, uh, is, is a pretty big deal. This most applies to the Creus IFF, right? You play that at the start of your turn. Yep. And the question, I guess, always came up of, can I trade it to someone at the start of their turn for them to then play it at the start of their turn?
1: Yep, you sure can.
0: Which is great. That's, like, the whole reason that card rules. Uh, (laughs) um, So, next up is another clarification just like that, which is um, sort of getting people to uh, wrap their heads around the trade strategy card and the timing of trade I remember this was one of my first questions personally to you this is like an email I sent to you within I don't know the first month or so and you sent me this adorable little picture of like all of these little you like went into MS paint or something you're like well okay it's like A B B1 B2 B C and like had to like spell out all the crazy timing interactions I remember that you know I'd actually (laughs)
1: forgotten until you just said that 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 was you i'm not actually sure that i knew that that was you and that's got that is not the only strange diagram that i've i'm sure i put out into the world and i believe that at at this point uh one of them at least i there was one that was uh, a a chart that compared uh skilled retreat and regular retreats that oh yeah that, that is, <laughs> what that is, is and isn't a retreat that is now yes yeah, so that is now out of date that that was when i was kicking myself for naming skilled retreat skilled retreat uh-huh. um right just like i couldn't called it anything else and it would have been fine but no it's got retreat in the name so now it's caused this whole big thing and i've got to you know work it all out and right um but yes. Uh, so
0: um, with with trade, uh, the question was basically: When is someone actually doing the secondary if the primary holder allowed them to do it for free? You know, they they get to choose someone to do the secondary. When does that timing actually pop and off? It
1: still happens during the secondary portion. They just don't uh, spend a token to do it.
0: Yeah, which is very important um, for for newer players um, in as they learn kind of like the importance of binding versus non-binding deals uh, understanding that timing and and how to make proper trades becomes a big deal. So it's, it's great to have that clarified just because I think that's what has always caused that to be an even steeper learning curve is that for some people it was unclear when they're supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. So having it cleared up means it's even faster for people to get that kind of, um, process started of like okay so if i need to do a trade you know in a in a clear-cut concise way this is how i need to do it for sure um so it's great um uh, the, the next one is there's a lot of goofiness with uh the card political secret the promissory note and we don't have to get in all the specifics because honestly everything that, that covers uh political secret is so like pedantic and and like so specific to the wording of every little thing, um, it's hard to even cover. But the the main point we wanted to, to say is just always trust, like, the theme of what's going on more than the grammar of the words. And just please please like give Dane a, a little bit of a break on these things. Cause I think uh, I just don't, need to read don't these give two me questions a break. out. Don't, no, don't I'm, I'm going to say <laughs> Dane doesn't want it. I don't want to break that's because he is an rip, employee rip, of FFG and he apart. has to say that. I,
1: I, you know, no, no the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm half serious. Like, you know, the, the, the more, the, you know, I, I word things better in the future when, uh, things like political secret right. happen you
0: are all in service of making twilight imperium a better game That's right. so you're all for it but the the gist being uh weird things like does the political secret promissory note disable passive or mandatory faction abilities when used against them and you had to say no and also does political secret promissory note prevent faction specific technology which you also said no so a bunch of weird like just the wording of political secret is such that it, it left some things in a weird gray area. Yeah. And, and, um, and those
1: two things that you just said were, are a little bit, um, I wouldn't say contradictory to one another, but in one case you have the faction abilities, which based on the wording of the card should be disabled, right. but no, the barony does not lose its entire fleet. Uh, when right. somebody that uses a, po- a bit political much. secret on it, <laughs> but then on the other hand, you know, faction abilities, or faction-specific tech, uh, you know, is not disabled based on the card. Um, but there is absolutely thematic um, justification that they could be. So right. in that in that case, though, I'm saying that, you know, it's it's no go, no go. It, it the, yeah. the faction-specific tech is not covered by the card, thus you can use it.
0: Uh, here's another thing. You know that pretty difficult secret objective: turn their fleets to dust. I hear it's actually um, impossible. Why don't you just go ahead and make it really 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 hard? Uh can can turn their fleet's to dust objective be fulfilled by using a direct hit action card or by destroying a unit with capacity and allowing transported fighters to be removed as a result? It cannot. Oh,
1: you monster. I'm I'm terribly I, sorry. And yeah, this this no, ruling has actually I get been it. floating around for for ages.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it has been, but it's one that has always uh, it's not that it bothers me like it does make sense it's just one of those things where it's like that objective was already hard and because of the meticulous nature of wordings it does have to be this way yep. But boy does that make it just so hard you just don't get a leg up on turn their fleets no to it's
1: best. it's a tough one uh, though that said um it's doable
0: it is doable it's doable um so the next one is another flip-flopper, uh, sort of here, um, and I almost don't even think it's worth getting into like what the old ruling was, because the old ruling was was so a little bit wobbly, which is why you kind of went with this simpler thing. So classified documents uh, leaks is the agenda where you take a secret objective and you turn it into a public objective for everybody to score. And people always had this confusion of, well, what if classified document leaks gets repealed uh whether by repeal law or some other agenda that gets rid of it um so what is the final answer on what happens to a secret objective that was a classified document leak but is no longer
1: it 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 remains in play um it has the players who have scored a uh, control marker on them Uh, it is no longer a public objective however it doesn't you know, revert back to the original owner, you know, who, who... Again, that's information that isn't tracked in any way who the original owner was. Um, it's information right. that the game just doesn't care about anymore, um, causing it to go back to the that, that player, which was what the original wording was, um, right. caused weird questions about, well, what if I have um, uh, three already and they're all scored? Or what if I have three and only two of them are scored? And it just... Uh, it's just simpler to say that it is it's in play. It's um can't be scored as a public or secret objective any longer, however points that right. are on it still still count and that's the end of it.
0: Yeah. And I love I love that you word it that way of it's it's there's no way to go back to that information that we that we had previously. That's like the whole philosophy of T I four is we if we don't have a way to mark it, then we don't keep track of it anymore. Yeah. Uh, And that's like the important note with classified document leaks is just like, forget about it and move on. Uh, And that philosophy has kind of a weird twisted way of working itself into miscount disclosed, which is the agenda where you revote on something. (laughs) And it had some issues of its own, which is to say, what happens to the agenda that you are currently revoting on? Uh, In most cases, it doesn't matter, but... Uh, I think the the clearest way to ask this question was asked about representative government, which is the law uh, that makes everybody only have one vote. If you are re-voting on that agenda, do you only have one vote to re-vote on it?
1: And the answer is yes. Yes. yes.
0: Which is nice uh, because, again, it's just cleaner and simpler and and trying to, like, Hold on to less information. It's like, hey, listen, it it is a law, so use it as a law. When it's when this agenda is done, it's a new law in place, or it will be discarded because it is no longer a law. You know, it it gets voted down or whatever. But I, I think you can kind of take that same mentality and carry it over both of these ideas, uh, which which hopefully helps people in any other confusing spots they have with with things like agendas
1: sure and the the other uh fun one with miscount disclosed was homeland defense act right which was what happens if you have homeland defense act you're now voting on it would is it possible that you know you've you're you're voting on homeland defense act its effect is no longer active you know all these pds get wiped off the board and then it's voted it passes to to pass again and comes comes back into play thus you know, just in an instant wiping half the PDS, but not changing, you know, the, the law at all.
0: Yeah, it, it made the idea of Homeland Defense Act even being an option for miscount to closed. It, it gave it the option to be a PDS nuke. Like, no matter what, if we vote for Homeland Defense Act, we're going to blow up a bunch of PDS on the board, which much better to just keep it this way where it is that is not the case. Yep. Basically, effects stay in place until miscount is closed is done. Um, a couple more that are, are, uh, fairly simple. Um, but there was, there was a bunch of questions about like when exactly what happens with sabotage. This one's been clarified for a while, but, uh, suffice it to say when you play a sabotage, it's before effects are resolved, right? Uh, the, the best example being something like plague, that's like the easiest way to explain what's happening with a sabotage.
1: Uh, yeah. So with sabotage, really, it just comes down to, you know, you can you play it, um, you know, up to the point where all the de- all the decisions have been made as to how the card is being played. However, um, none of the effects have been resolved because once the effects right. are being resolved, uh, once any you know any dice have been rolled, once any units have been destroyed, once any you know uh, votes have been cast, or you know what, whatever the effect of the card is, um, it's too late. Right. And, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, and what I don't want to see in, in future tournaments that I or anybody else hosts is taking this too far. I, I just can so easily see a situation where like, someone plays Reactor Meltdown and hasn't announced who they're reactor meltdowning yet, and someone else tries to play a sabotage, only to be that with someone saying, uh, excuse me, they have not chosen who they want to reactor meltdown when it doesn't matter, which is why I think this problem so rarely came up, because most of the time when someone plays a sabotage, it, it that's it. That's just, nope, I don't care. I heard the name of the card. I don't want it to exist anymore. But there were too many, there was, you know, there's probably like five or six action cards where it's like, ooh, the timing seems really specific and we need to i i don't i may not want to sabotage it reactor meltdown being the, the best example if you're gonna play it on me i don't want to sabotage it mm-hmm. or i do want to sabotage it if you're gonna play it on somebody else i don't care and those negotiations that became a timing window when people tried to sell sabotage and tried to sell not playing the reactor meltdown so that's really why this timing window exists to me is like it, it all became a bargaining chip uh, and and we ended up sitting in those timing windows longer than we would have normally sure um next one this one's fun uh you can't destroy your own units <laughs> yep lucky c- shot no stuff lucky like that shot. You, can't, you can't you can't hurt your own
1: stuff x89 your own uh, infantry
0: just just don't do it leave us alone that's crazy talk i i just I couldn't believe people wanted to do this. I mean, I guess I I can believe it, uh, but it's one of those things that exists outside of theme, and you start to get into the dark territory of rules questions, where it's like, listen, the words give me the chance to do this. Are you going to really tell me no? And I'm glad to hear you decided to tell them no. (laughs) Uh, this next one, I have a riddle to pose to you, Dane. Okay. Uh, and it's it's a fun riddle. Um, it's it's similar to any riddle you've ever heard, you know. Uh, but if the Hillelish moves, this is like this is like that riddle of you know, if there's two trains <laughs> leaving, a uh, train to leaving Detroit and a train leaving Chicago at the same time. If the Hillelish moves before other ships and is returned two reinforcements by a gravity rift can other ships still use its delta wormhole to reach the active system uh
1: no there's an elephant in the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh yeah boy that some of these questions the 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 hoops you have to jump through just to even find out what the answer is answering it's sort of like the question of uh, life, the universe, and everything, and then you get the answer 42, and you're like, wait, what did I read? Hold on, I need to double-check my math here. Yep, if, if uh, the Hilklish,
1: um is is destroyed uh, when it moves before the other ships, uh, then no, they can't.
0: The movement basically doesn't happen anymore. Yep. It's just like nothing ever got to, to exist. Uh, sort of similar to even just, you know, the a ceasefire getting played. It's like, well, just stop. Just stop moving things. You're done. Um and last one here we're we're like at the end of the rulebook uh and it's some weird Mentak stuff that is sort of a reversal of previous rulings um so uh the, the main idea or the main question being can can Mentak pillage through wormholes that other players are using as like multiple wormholes the main idea being uh, the ghosts of Creus, with quantum entanglement, you know, can go from A to B and B to A. Can Mentak pillage from B to A?
1: Yep. And my initial response for the Creus was that they couldn't, based on the wording of quantum entanglement. But um, as it was pointed out to me, I honestly wish I could remember um, who pointed it out uh, and thank them. But um, ultimately, it should have been allowed, um, based on. The, the you know the way the rules are written and the way the abilities function, yes, the Mentec can pillage through quantum entanglement.
0: Yeah, it all kind of came down to just, like, what is the definition of neighbor and adjacency, yep. right? Like, the difference between those two things and yes. where all that falls into place. Yep. They're, yeah, that was an interesting not, one. They're not I quite liked... the
1: same, neighbors and adjacency, right. even though they're related concepts. And, and that that exactly. is where my that's where my brain had tripped me up with the original ruling. That's correct?
0: Yeah. And and it's funny, because I liked the original ruling. So did it I. it made sense thematically. <laughs> but it's just one of those things that, like you said, you kind of, when you really put it up to, like the litmus test of these rules, you kind of have to go, ah, I'm trying to make something work that maybe doesn't yep. belong.
1: Yep. That's exactly what happened. Well,
0: holy cow, Dane. I know this one was kind of a, this was a bit of a, 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 slog to get through just in terms of like, like we said, it was, it's a lot more and there's even more in the document too. It's, it's worth it for everybody to sit down and like chew through basically all the red text. I mean, that's what's made it so easy is you if you know the rules of ti already you don't have to reread the entire living rules reference but you can dig through all the red text and see what some of the changes are but uh hopefully this covers like the biggest stuff everything else again is just kind of like minor clarifications that come up every now and then um but i really want to thank you uh dane for for going through all of that with me yeah, absolutely um, and there and and there is a the change log
1: at it. the beginning as well oh i'm not off the hook oh yet.
0: yeah that's right yeah um, but you're not off the hook yet. I have my own frequently asked question for you, uh, and it is Dane Beltrami. Will you please rank all 17 factions from best to worst? Uh, I need the official designers tier list of the Twilight Imperium factions. Oh, uh, it's gone on long all enough. Right. It's time to put your foot down.
1: All right. I mean, this is, I mean, pretty obvious territory i think but (laughs) i'll do my best um so at the top of the the tier list would obviously be the ghosts of krius i think they're clearly the uh, strongest most versatile (laughs) most attractive faction um and that most attractive for sure holy cow yeah by far and there's there's honestly just I, I mean, like we don't really even have to include them in the in the ranking if you want, because it's just not fair.
0: It's like triple S plus tier.
1: Yeah, triple triple S plus tier, Rainbow Deluxe Edition. <laughs> uh, abso- absolutely. <laughs> uh, also, also in the in the S tier would be uh, my my compatriots with the Neuroglave. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're
0: a Nalu boy. That's I, interesting. I, I, I
1: love, I love me the Nalu. They're, they're one of my favorites. I love the fighter swarms. Um, yeah. I, I.
0: Man, I've been, uh,
1: I've had Nalu on my mind a
0: lot recently. We're, we're, we're trying to do new faction guides, and Nalu are a tough nut to crack. I'll tell you that much. Uh, in terms of like, actually, winning consistently with them, it is. It is a tricky scenario there. That's a fun one to have as your number two.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three would be going back to my 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 original roots when first playing Ti3, and that is Federation of Soul. And you know they're mm. they're strong, they're a solid faction, they're they're awesome. You're a coward, they're, is what you're they're, saying. They're people. You know, I, <laughs> I always I always play people, play play humans in in the. In, in in games, or at least I, I did for the longest time, and and soul they're 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 up there among among my favorite factions of this game for sure. Um, Radical. Uh, let's see. So next up, I think I would put uh, just one of the best factions, and that would be the Yin Brotherhood. I mean, there's okay there's uh, the, you know their their ship it blows up, their 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 smaller ships they blow up um they're just kind of fantastic and i love them
0: so far i'm noticing a trend here which is like i mean you like the you like the ones that get in the way of other people's planets i don't i, mean, I don't Ghost, know what you're talking Snolu, about soul and yin you seem to be a real nuisance to play with dane <laughs> I,
1: I wouldn't i wouldn't say that <laughs> um next after that i think i would have to put the x cha um because of how much I enjoy the, you know, eight PDS shots being fired right. at the same time across systems through Quan or whatever, <laughs> um, I, and I I do think they're a solid faction. And the only time I have ever had a planet annexed by them was the most devata- devastating thing that ever happened, and and just happened right under my nose because i just wasn't paying attention and 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 i've 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 had respect for the the extra since that day
0: i feel like people forget about that because there's a lot of people that like to harp on diplomacy as a strategy card these days Mm -hmm. but and 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 you know doing political annexation or whatever is is also something that happens rarely, but like you're saying, when it hits hard, it's like a dump truck. It's just like the worst thing that can happen to you if you have a planet just like ripped out from under oh, you. Oh, and and there's just nothing uh, you
1: can do about it either. Like it's yeah, it's just are done. you are you <laughs> eligible to be targeted by this? If so, like there there's no like bye. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh let's see. So next next for me, I think I would Put the L1Z1X. Um, I I love Harrow as a concept, and yeah. I wish it was. I wish it was more. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! But 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 I I love it, and and uh, I I love the L1Z1X, and, and and you know they 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 also represent like a pretty important part of TI lore, of course. Um, oh yeah, and, and yeah. I just I you know I think that's cool. Um. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna put the next two in the same in the same slot, sure. same category. And that's, that's the Arbrek yeah. and the Sar. Um,
0: oh, interesting. And, okay. and I love them both for I the getcha. for the
1: same reason, um, and that is that they they kind of mess with the way that things are produced and moved around. Right. And,
0: they they break people's constructs of like where units are even supposed to show up from and, and what expansion even means. Yep.
1: And then and, and I like them both an, an awful lot because of that. Um, uh, let's see. Um, this, this will probably be uh, a controversial one because um, mechanically I know that they don't maybe operate as well as they could, or at least as interestingly as they could, but the Winu Um, and, Mm. and, and it's, it's because, you know, I like their, uh, secret entrance to Mechatel Rex. It's, 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 and you know,
0: I gotta say, I realized the other day, I don't know that I have lost a game as the Winu yet, which is weird because I don't think of them as good, but I keep having good games with them. So there's something else. There's like some dark pact that has been written with the Winu. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um so now now we're getting into territory of of things that make me angry.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Let's hear it?
1: so first up would be the emirates of Hakan as we're heading down the list um because first You're one of those. everybody wants to role play as the Hakan um and that makes me angry. <laughs> um and and I don't know what it is about the the Hakan but the the need to speak in the third person um, oh, while yeah, while role playing. They
0: they're not just being Hakan, they're being Khajiit. Oh, that,
1: that must be what it is. I don't know why I didn't, yeah. I didn't put that together. But uh, yes. Um. Yep. So, so they're 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 an early target for me usually. People people hate me as the Hakon because I'm one of those people that
0: notoriously suddenly wants. I mean, I do this with every faction, but obviously Hakan has the most ammo for this. But it's I'll make a deal out of everything possible, which means if Hakan's in the game, oh, your game just got two hours. Oh longer. my god, Sorry. it's it's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yes, ab- absolutely. It's just everything has to be haggled over, even things that yep. shouldn't. Shouldn't be haggled over. It's all I got, though. That's my ability. Oh, uh, I have to. Oh, no, totally. <laughs> um, uh, following that, uh, the embers of Muat. Um, you know, as as a developer, uh, one thing that happens to me fairly frequently is I play games with people, and I'm an immediate target, and I oh, don't yeah. particularly like being the immediate target of yep. a war son. Um, and and you know, it's it's fragile. <laughs> like absolutely but it's still going to mess me up it's still going to ruin my early game if they if you know if they if they really just want to throw it at me and you know ruin their game as well like that's fine but they just seem to be able to 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 do that better than others
0: uh is are the muat like one of Corey's darlings or does he just i mean i know he was like a big part of designing them originally but does he still hold them as the like oh i'm gonna play muat every chance i can or is it kind of uh, just a
1: no a thing that sits in the back no I'm, I'm struggling to remember what cory played the last time we played yeah. um it wasn't the muat and and I, you know, honestly I don't know that I've ever played against Corey as the Muat, but I know exactly what would happen if I did, and that is that oh. he would be moving that war sun towards my home system immediately. <laughs> right away. <laughs> um Let's see, moving on moving on down the list, um the 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 Letnev. Um Okay.
0: Yeah. Yep, that's surprisingly low for the barony. What's what's going on there?
1: Uh, you know, you know,
0: same same reason as Muat?
1: <laughs> honestly, no, I I just I I just don't much care for for them. Um, yeah, as, as a faction, like they never really re- resonated with me, and I'll and I'll play the Muat and the Hakan, and, and, and yeah, I think I've played the Letnev as well. But like, um, for for the they just they just they don't they don't speak to me.
0: Um, Yeah. I have this problem with Letnev where I just always forget that I even have their abilities when I play them. Like, I just treat them as a vanilla faction and then forget to, like, recount my ships and make sure I'm (laughs) two above fleet supply. Like, I just, I've done that numerous times where I'll be like round five and I'll be like, wait, I should have two more ships all over the place. Like, I need to be really using this and I just don't.
1: And not play them like a vanilla faction. And non Euclidean shielding is a sweet tech, but. You know, it just it, it isn't it isn't a draw for me. Um Yeah. Yeah. Um so now we're getting into the downright annoying. <laughs> uh and we can tie these two as well, um, the Isaril and the Mentec mm-hmm. for different reasons, yep. but um I mean scum of the earth <laughs> basically. Um yeah,
0: they're like they're like two of my favorite. Factions, that doesn't that doesn't surprise hilarious. me at all. And now yeah, that exactly. now that I now that I'm
1: talking about them, I'm remembering that the last time I played with Corey, um, which was less than a month ago, he played the Mantak and almost ruined oh, me, yeah. and almost ruined me after it. I I called my win on Twitter, also, <laughs> which was which would have been awful. Um, and the only reason he didn't ruin me is that um somebody else moved in and cut between us thus you know cutting me off I was no longer wow. neighbors with him and you know th- you know the person who did that had uh had no idea that that was going to be such a huge deal for me but <laughs> but it, me- it meant that he could not uh he could not pillage my my last trade gain or trade good gain which was brought me up to 10, which was of course wow. what I needed for to pull a, for the win the last one yeah Cory man. Um, <laughs> so then last but not least, we have uh, the poor Sardak Noor. and yeah. yep they're they're down there they both don't they don't appeal to me as a as a, as a playstyle and also uh, they are tragically a bit underpowered. So
0: I'm gonna note here, one of these. I know you intentionally left off your list altogether. You just believe they belong in the garbage can, but you skipped Joel Nar, and I I want to see oh, where Joel Nar oh, falls in your, that, that, in your ranking. No, I,
1: I Joel Nar was was down here as well. Is, I just I yeah, just found I them so so snotty and uh, <laughs> so snotty and just uh, you know unbelievably able to. Become strong with 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 such little effort, um, right? And you know that does make them a target, and I'm super okay with that because I lo- <laughs> I love all about I love taking out I love, taking out I love taking out Jolnar. You know they always make you know at least two or three enemies at the table. It seems no matter who's playing them, and that is yeah. totally fine by me. It's not going to be me playing <laughs> them, great. Uh, but um, they yeah, they're not not my favorite. Well there you have yep. it.
0: Dane Beltrami's definitive list of all sixteen <laughs> factions.
1: Yep. That's that's right. I'm, i may or may not have have uh just deleted the necrovirus. I mean they're they may <laughs> maybe they deleted themselves be honest right I mean, they're
0: um okay so then next up is go ahead and just rank all uh 60 uh what is it 59 action cards it's 80 total or whatever but yeah just go ahead and rank all of those for me all... um, we did it so i figured you can all f- all
1: 59 uh, can i isn't can it? i see this list of of your rankings
0: uh we did we did t- we did six hours worth of episodes about it oh my it. gosh you feel free right, sir. Right, 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 right. It's, it's a nightmare scenario right. and i don't wish it upon anybody all right my
1: my <laughs> I, I'm not going to rank all 60. I'm sorry. But I mean, I, I will tell you, uh, y- you know, my, my favorites. Uh, my absolute favorite, hands down, this one's easy, is confusing legal text. <laughs> That's it. I'm canceling the show. Get out of <laughs> here. No,
0: I'm not. I won't stand for it any it longer. Is no, no, no. Easily.
1: You can't do this to me. Easily dang. my favorite. No, no, no. Dang. Hands down. Um, well, for, for, um, uh, for, for follow-up to that, um, I'm a big fan of Ghost Ship. Uh, (laughs) Ghost Ship is awesome.
0: What are you doing to me? (laughs)
1: Well, Well, I, am I, I, I don't even know how to respond to that question. Um. I
0: wish I wish you knew the journey my life has taken with confusingly League <laughs> I I I just can't believe that that was your answer for your favorite action card. Oh, it's it's too perfect. It's the
1: best. Um uh more honorable mentions in the silence of space. Uh, uh one of sure. one of my one of my absolute favorites. Um uh my least favorites: sabotage absolutely oh, for yeah. sure um and uh insubordination um oh interesting um i mean it is a it is probably
0: the most frustrating i can't imagine a
1: card that is more frustrating oh it's it's than that or parlay it's it, oh yes oh it's parlay just just instantaneous defeat um rise of the messiah also also a, a personal <laughs> favorite um yeah, uh, courageous to the end. That that will be my last honorable mention. Um, good, good, good fun.
0: A good card. Sol- solid can, card. Can you can you just please, for my own sake, will you? I just need you to repeat the following words and don't ask any questions and don't think about the words you're saying. Just repeat them. All right. And just tell me that plague is a bad action card.
1: Plague is a bad action card.
0: That's it. All right. Thank you. You heard it here first, folks. It's over. The discussion is done. Uh, Dane Beltrami agrees. Uh, Plague is just is dog tier. Oh, uh, you uh, wouldn't have, you
1: you know you you wouldn't have had to trick me into saying that. It's it's yeah. it's <laughs> it's it's not a great card. Um, it's it's not effective and and uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, it sucks.
0: That is that is so heartwarming, and it redeems you of all your um, love for confusing legal which is so I forgive which you. Which is
1: perfectly valid uh, love. <laughs> it, it is, in fact, the greatest action card.
0: <laughs> well, Dane, thank you so much. Thanks for going through all of that. Thank you for, for the fun. Thank you for the game. Thank you for everything. Uh, can't wait to... Can't wait to bring you on the show. Next time we bring you on the show, we won't make you just, like, chew through rules you've been doing for, like, six months. We'll we'll let you have more fun. Uh, what do you say? I, I love
1: fun. Thanks, Matt.
0: Well, that was fun. And uh, we've got a we've got a little bit of errata to do as well, but I just wanted to tag it on here at the end. Still don't have Hunter with us. Uh, Hunter is prepping for his big helium, uh, you know, comedy competition. The Portland's Funniest Person contest is on June 19th at 7 p.m. Um, and that's why he wasn't really on this week's episode. He's he's like doing comedy every single night, all night. Uh, lots of prep work to do. So I uh, just wanted to uh, throw that out there before we even get into the rest of the errata that please, if you're in or near Portland, go check out Hunter June 19th at 7 p.m. at Helium Comedy Club. If you call beforehand, it's only $5. Uh, if you give him his name, you, you, you call the club, say his name, they'll give it to you for five bucks. Or if you just go, it's only $10 uh, and it's a, an audience uh audience vote which means the more people that show up the better chance hunter has of progressing to the next stage of the competition so big 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 deal a huge thing he works towards every single year Uh, so give him a hand let's do some errata though Uh, this is about last week's quest for game two uh, Mijna or Minya, Minya, hmm, Mijna, I don't know, I'm sorry, uh, says, I'm guessing if they do a guide, they will have a for it on the next episode, which probably won't be mainly TI four related. And on the guide episodes, a of the previous non TI four episodes. Uh um, it's just kind of hitting on this thing that will be an interesting spot for us to explore when we get into game two stuff. And honestly, I don't know that we have an exact answer on what that looks like. I'm inclined to say, ti stuff is relegated to ti episodes and you know whether it's dune or root or game of thrones or whatever that stuff is relegated to those episodes um but at the same time hunter and i both treat errata more than anything like it's our viewer mail segment right it's just kind of when we're opening up discourse to everybody so i think it'll bleed a little bit it'll 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 change up every now and then but uh to to get to a bigger point uh with the the strategy guides, part two, the new guides. The goal is for those to have as little errata as possible. Uh, we really want to nail it now that that doesn't mean we won't have discussion and we will bring up, you know, discussion points that people talk about with the guides, but, and that'll be mostly like differences of opinion stuff. Um, but hopefully we won't get like anything just straight up wrong or whatever. And we're going to try to cover a lot of bases. Um, but I, we don't intend on the errata section being maybe as, critical as it was in the first guides the first guides it's kind of like you sort of need to listen to them because every once in a while we miss like a major thing that needed to be included later um so i don't know keep keep an ear open on how that stuff works out but i think it would be mostly my goal to keep a you know if it's an episode about dune you can trust that it's going to kind of only have information about dune and if it's twilight imperium it should only have information about twilight imperium but i think hunter differs in opinion a little bit there. So that's just gonna be something that we learn more about as we as we do it. And that's a lot of how this game two stuff is gonna go. Is just we kinda have to start doing it and then we'll figure out what works best. Um so hopefully you'll stick along with us as we kind of explore that space. Um also Oki, Professor says you mispronounced marquise. You should pronounce the S. What you were saying was marquis, which is the masculine version, but the marquise de cat is a lady which I felt like was very important to bring up because I totally did mispronounce that last week when we were talking about the Marquise de Cat in Root. Um, I had no idea. I don't know anything about French, and I'm an idiot. So, Okie okay Professor, you got me. Um, and that's it. That's all the errata we have, really. Um, it's still just a lot of people, you know, throwing out suggestions and talking through the different games, um, But but nothing kind of explicitly to, like, go back on and and rehash. I think we'll get into more specifics in some of the final weeks of the, um, of the, the polls Uh, this week. uh, We're not updating the polls, but next week's episode, we will have updated the poll to where there will only be four games left. We're going to by basically by the end of this coming week, by like Saturday, we're going to cut one game off. Whatever game was the least scoring in the poll, we cut it off. We'll issue a new poll and uh, we'll have four games and everybody will vote on those. Um, so if you want to keep doing that, please rate us on your podcast, app of Choice, uh, specifically Apple Podcasts and iTunes, because it helps increase our visibility so that we can keep growing our community. Uh, you can also follow us at Space Cats Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles. Um, you can find us on our weekly posts on the Twilight Imperium subreddit where we discuss all sorts of things related to the game and related to our episodes. You can also please take part in our Patreon, which is where you can basically act as varying levels of co-producer of the show and help us decide on episodes. I think next week's episode is going to be a Space Kitty episode. We put out a poll uh, like earlier this last week and we're starting to see the results of that. But uh, next week's episode is probably a Galactic Council episode. So if you want to get in on that, Uh, join the Galactic Council for just $5 a month and you can be a part of the votes for specific episodes once a month. Uh, you can also join our Discord and, uh, join in daily conversation that happens, uh, as well as get a bunch of your Patreon benefits there. Hunter Donaldson is, as we said, prepping for his Portland's Funniest Person competition. Uh, but he also does a weekly show, um, called comedy is everything at alberta street pub every sunday at nine and he also does a show called earthquake hurricane every thursday at 8 p.m at ford food and drink both of those are in portland oregon i also want to thank our space kitties billy tg welch yin for life patience is a virtue naderade jim Bob, and umar uh and that's it that's the show i don't have hunter here to like make a weird fading out conversation so i'm just gonna let it trickle off of my own uh, being done with this interview and it's late at night and you know what i just i'm i'm sick of thinking about all the ridiculous intricacies of ti rules and how much they intertwine with each other and how uh irritating it is to to navigate that that threshold with people actively trying to destroy my brain in bringing up weird ways that rules conflict with each other. It hurts me, and I don't appreciate being attacked like that. I'm going to go. I should go to bed. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.